you will, get your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. It's got a little echo going on, Kurt, up here. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse four. You found your place, let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Father, Lord, we come to you and we just thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, we pray that you would bless it this day in the preaching and the hearing and the application, all for your glory. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> the last time we met, we um, was in the first three verses, and we discussed a test that was given to the spirits, and it basically came down to verse 3, where Paul said, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So that Paul gave a negative test and a, a positive test there of knowing uh, what the Spirit does, how it works in our life. And what it doesn't do. And so Paul had reminded the Corinthians of the pagan and idolatrous lives they had lived once upon a time. And he gave them the, that test, the negative one and the positive one, for determining if, if uh, a professing Christian is truly saved out of paganism. And if what he says is genuinely of the Holy Spirit. It is God himself. God who gives us the right understanding of Jesus Christ as Lord. Individual believers and who gives to oneness is the power to the church. A church doesn't have power for the Lord, strength for God, if it's in division. It is when it's in a unity is when, a God, when the church works for the glory of God. And the Corinthian church, the believers there, in response to the flesh rather than the spirit, they quarreled, they had division, uh, they took advantage of one another, they took one another to court in lawsuits, they, they fell back into the immoral practices 
of excuse me, idolatry. They, they had corrupted marriage practices. They abused their Christian liberty and became self-centered and overconfident and worldly. Their, their misunderstanding and misuse of the spiritual gifts was a major result of their carnal divisions that they had. It sounds a lot like today's church. Church, we're all here for one thing, one reason, and that is to worship the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners who need a Savior. There's not one better than the other. It is level ground at the foot of the cross where we all need to be, where we all find salvation through a Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God is no respecter of persons. That means he doesn't put one over another. It's all seen through the blood of Christ by him. Amen? The Spirit gives gifts to believers to express and strengthen the unity they, they have in the Lord Jesus Christ. But the misuse of those gifts shatters unity. It divides believers. It ruins their testimony before the world, and it stunts their growth and effectiveness in the Lord's Savior. So we do shouldn't do any of those things that would be a misuse, a misuse of the Spirit, a misuse of the Bride of Christ. We're to love, to love immensely, strongly, with all of our hearts. We're to love. There goes my ameter. In our passage of Scripture today, the Apostle explains that the Spirit gives a variety of gifts to be used. A variety of ministries that have a variety of effects, but a common source for a common purpose these gifts have. What a blessing it is to have the gifts. It's not something that we worked for, they're gifts. And the variety of gifts, as verse 4 says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Gifts means essentially gifts of grace, a free gift, and is used 
as God the giver gives. Spiritual gifts are not talents. They're, they're, there's natural talents, there's natural skills and abilities, which are granted by God, yes. But just as everything else that is good and worthy is a gift from him. But these are natural abilities shared by believers and non-believers. Unbelievers can be highly skilled. You know, uh, I heard John MacArthur say this one time. If, if there was a Christian mechanic that did not know how to put gas in a car and there was an unbeliever who can overhaul engines and do all these kinds of things, he said he'd take his car to a non-believer to get his car fixed. Makes sense, right? Spiritual gifts are not natural. It's not the natural ability, but rather supernatural. Supernaturally given by the Holy Spirit and always to the believers in Jesus Christ without exception. I've seen that. I've seen that happen in my life that God will put me in a place in a, that I'm not expecting and in a circumstance that I'm not expecting and next thing I know, I'm sharing Christ with someone. Wasn't, that wasn't my plan of the day. It was probably my hopeful plan of the day, but it wasn't my plan of the day. It just happened. It didn't just happen. God had planned it before the very foundation of the world. I just didn't know about it. And God is always, I believe, looking for those who says that, that says, yes, I'll use the gift that God gives me for his glory. Does God know that he can use you? Does God know that at, at any given moment, even in a surprise in your life, that something pops in front of you and that he can call on you to speak a word or do a service and you'll do it? Do you look for those kind of opportunities? Those type of opportunities where you don't really even know about it and what you're going to wind up doing is God's going to be using you as a vessel. I like to say a conduit that he's going to go through you into another person for his glory. Wow. It's absolutely amazing. Isn't it? To be used of a holy God for his service? Spiritual gifts are essential to unity of the spirit. And purpose can be maintained through diversity of, of ministry. Unity is not uniformity. It doesn't mean that we've got to all show up here and, and wear the same clothes and uh, look alike and act alike. No, it, it is full of diversity. Unity is. It's a football team. It's not made up of all quarterbacks, is it? I mean, you have to have your, your, your running backs. You have to have the ends. You have to have the tackles. You have to have the guards. You have to have the center to, 
to uh, get the ball to the quarterback. And then you have to have your defensive team to stop the other team. And they're not all quarterbacks, right? And one of the, the best football teams are football teams that has unity. That know their plays. And they're not too much worried about the other guy's plays. They just need to get their play right. And when everybody gets their play right, it's a good team. God distributes the gifts in, in many forms and varieties to his children. And he has many gifts which are given to every believer. There are two general types of gifts that we're looking at here. There's the gift of speaking, speaking gifts. And speaking gifts is not only preaching the word, but it's sharing the gospel with others. And then also of teaching Sunday school or uh, teaching others about the Lord. And then there's the serving gifts, those who can serve. And I think that covers everybody. We can speak and serve. And as you heard me tell about this lady that I've only heard of, uh, and it was years ago, and she's probably in heaven today, and I don't even know her name, that she went to a Chicago church, and she was always the first one to get to church in the mornings. And she came in, and she sat on the back pew, and she was the very last one to leave the church on Sunday mornings. And someone came to her and asked her one day, says, you know, we notice that you're always... You, you get here first, and you sit on the back pew, and you leave here last. Why is that? She says, because God wants me to smile everybody into the church, and he wants me to smile everybody out of the church. She knew her calling. And look, if you'll stand up here for a few Sundays and look out to people, you'll appreciate smiles. You really will. And, uh, you know, and I, I know when I go to churches that I haven't been before and, and I start preaching, uh, I look for a smiler. And that smiler thinks, well, he's only preaching to me because that's the only person I'm going to be looking at. Because uh, uh, I get out there and look at someone look like they want to beat me up uh, with by their face. I, I don't want to look at them. So it's good to have a gift of smiling. Christians uh, who have the same gifts may minister in different ways. Some who teach may teach children. And then others who teach might teach at a seminary. Uh, ministries is from, the word ministry from the Greek term meaning serve. It means servant. It means deacon. It, it means one who serves. <clears throat> in Mark chapter 10 verse 45 Jesus says this of himself he says for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many do you remember the scene that they was there at the table they'd been traveling and they were Discussing who was the greatest in the who would be the greatest in the kingdom, and Jesus was looking around, and what he saw was dirty feet. 
That's what he saw. He saw dirty feet. And, and it was custom to wash your feet before you come in the house. And not to get that dirt all in the house. Well, Jesus got up and he girded himself with a towel. And he got a wash basin. And he went around and he was washing their feet. You know, Peter's always got something to say. Peter says, oh, not you, Lord. Not my feet. And he says, well, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, then I have no part of you. And he says, oh, you know, he starts naming all his body parts. Wash, wash my head, wash my torso, wash, wash all of me. And he said, you're clean, Peter. It's just your feet that needs washing. Jesus served. Can you wash someone's feet? Years ago, I preached on that sermon. And at that time, Tracy had this towel. It was a towel, ladies, and maybe you've had one in the past. It was a towel that hung on the handle of the oven of the stove. And it had a rooster on this tile. That tile was well taken care of. But sometimes I would go and I'd wash my hands at the kitchen sink, which that's not favorably to be done at my house. But uh, I would wash my hands at that kitchen sink and I would turn around and there was that rooster. It was a tile, right? <laughs> I learned that the rooster don't dry your hands. He's there for looks and there for looks only. The sad thing is there's a many people sitting on the pews of churches that should be serving towels. But really all they are is just there for looks only. It is not being the church just to come to church and sit and hear a sermon and leave out and not serve. We go back to that football team. You see when you watch football on TV, uh, you see them all, the offense especially, all go to a huddle. They all stick their heads together. And when they come out, they got their play. And they're going to execute their play. That's the reason they got in the huddle. Some of them mess it up real big, but yet they were in the huddle and they break loose and they get out and they do their play. If we put that same scenario in a lot of churches, they all come together and they get in a huddle, but they don't leave knowing what the play is. What are they supposed to do? Well, it's either to tell someone the gospel or it's to serve someone. That's it. And it's serving them in the name of Christ. My friend David Oswalt is on our prayer list uh, tomorrow 
he's going to be at MD Anderson having surgery. And uh, I just had an idea last night, and and I sent to a bunch of praying men that I have at my men's breakfast and some other places to uh, that they don't even know David. And I asked them, and I said, look, hey, this guy's got surgery tomorrow. Would you, uh, would you pray for him and then send him some encouragement? And wow, uh, at 4 o'clock this morning, I got a reply. Just did it. <laughs> I hope he didn't have his ringer on. But, uh, but yet he did it. Because he wanted to serve, even to someone he did not know. A Christian with the gift of helps must by definition be involved in serving others. Anyone who's given a gift by the Holy Spirit and keeps himself or herself, keep it to themselves, is an unfaithful steward. If God convicts you and says, hey, you need to do this, and you don't do it, is that being faithful to him? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, I'm going to read to you. It says, as each one has received a special gift, employ it. He says, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. It, it cannot be written better than the way the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to write those two verses. And then, so we've seen the variety of gifts and the variety of ministries. Uh, I didn't clarify it, but that's what I've been talking to you about. But now we get the variety of effects in verse 6. And it says there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. <clears throat> effects. The Greek is energi, energima. Energima is how that word is said in the Greek. And what is worked out or energized? The, the one who provides the spiritual gifts also provides the energy and the power to do them. I, I never felt like I could tell y'all that I had the gift of speaking. And I still don't. But God uses... That somehow. And he works it out. It's about his power. It's about his ability. God gives no commands for which he does not also give ability to obey. He does not give spiritual gifts for 
which he does not also give the power to use them. We must be pure from sin and be willing to be used in order that the Holy Spirit can make our gifts productive. Listen, there is no such thing as a self-made Christian. God is doing all the work all the time. But we need to make ourselves available to him. The natural man is always more connected to uniformity than unity. He's always wanting to be like someone else. And she is always wanting to be like someone. That's the reason we have uh, these fashion changes so much. It's just someone starts wearing a certain style and then, oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. Next thing you know, everyone's doing that. We must be leaning to the supernatural. The, the natural man is always more connected to that uniformity. In their immaturity and carnality, the Corinthian believers tended to be superficial copiers. The, the Corinthians were more interested in, in being copiers. They, they tried to copy the gifts and practices of those who seemed to be the most successful, popular, and powerful, like many Christians today. They liked formulas for solving problems, formulas that fit this success, and even formulas for doing God's work. But it's God that does the work. We're just to be obedient be obedient. And then verse 7 tells us one source and one purpose. One source and one purpose. But each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The manifestation of the Spirit, it reinstates what has already been said, God is the source of all gifts. And verse 4, it tells us the gifts are given by the same Spirit. In verse 5, it says the ministries are, assi are assigned by the same Lord. And in verse 6, it says the effects are energized by the same God. There are they are so given for the common good, meaning to bring together. To bring together. They, they are edifying and helpful for the church. Not only does the exercise of spiritual gifts minister to others, but it also helps them better use their own gifts. A, a pastor, for example, who faithfully preaches and teaches the congregation not only builds them up spiritually, but prepares them to be better stewards of their own gifts. God uses them. In Ephesians 4.12, he says God, it says it's God's using them for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to building up the body of Christ. It is to build up the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? It's the church. 
It's not the the wood and stubble, the bricks. It's, it's not those things. It is the body. It's you. It's me. It's us together to strengthen in Christ. When the church ministers its gift, it should at least for for four important blessing results. What are those blessings? Number one, Christians themselves receives blessings from exercising their own gifts and from exercising uh, of others' gifts for their benefit. God never intended for the church to be- become uh, be- to be carried by a few, while the others sit back and watch. Listen. When God called you to salvation, he called you to service. He called you to service. He called you to live for him. But you couldn't live for him in your unbelieving state. You're not being saved, not having the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it. As I shared with you, one man one time told me that he couldn't... uh, He's read the Bible some, but he couldn't understand what it was saying. And that's because I told him he hadn't asked the school teacher into the schoolhouse, meaning that the Holy Spirit has to be there to enlighten us, to give us the understanding of the Word of God. Listen, this is God's Word. It is God's Word. How, how do we think we're going to understand it? By our own power? No. We need his power. And to have his power, we need to be his child. And to be his child, we have to confess of our sins. And that confessing of our sins is not letting God know something that he doesn't already know. It's just coming into terms with him and saying, Yes, God, this is sin in my life. And I want forgiveness of this sin. I want to turn away from this sin. I want to live for you. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. And the second thing, when everyone does his or her part in the ministry, the church forms a dynamic witness with power and effectiveness. When all the parts of the body are functioning as one, it's a healthy body. It strengthens the testimony of of the gospel. Years ago, when Hannah was little, she was diagnosed with juvenile arthritis. And we went to um, Arkansas Children's Hospital up in Little Rock and Doctor, as a lady doctor, she had Tracy, and she started asking about our medical background. And she said, "Do y'all have any problems?" I said, "Oh no, I don't have no problems. I'm good." And I was—I was pretty young back then. And uh, and I said, "I'm good." And then something in the conversation later said, "Well, I said, well, you know, I have this ache sometimes here, and then I have an ache over here." She said, men, (laughs) and shook her head. She says, 
You think them aches might be arthritis? Oh, no. <laughs> How do you know? They're aching, right? God wants a healthy spiritual body to be his church. Not one that's here one day and gone the next. He wants someone, he wants a body. A body of people that will, will do his work. And listen, there, there's a lot of churches brag, well, you know, we had... Uh, 600 in Sunday school last week, and or we had this great number and that great number, and, and that's wonderful if they're being the body. You get what I'm saying? But listen, God can use a church of 20 being the body, being in unity, growing together. And seeking to serve the Lord and to minister and to be filled with the Spirit of God. If, if something happened and I couldn't preach no more, and but yet I could attend church, uh, I would want. I wouldn't look for size. I would look for the unity. When Peter preached at Pentecost in Acts 2.41, saying, So then, those who had received the word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. And then in verse 47 says, Praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. They had unity. They had unity. The Spirit had came down and unified them. And they had all things in common. They were selling goods to help others together. The third blessing is when the church ministers its gifts God's leaders become apparent and they're faithfully functioning in the church. Spiritual leadership emerges. Capable leadership is essential for the church to, to operate as it should. But a faithful church is also necessary to provide an environment in which leaders can develop and lead as they should. God, as, as they should. God equips his leaders when they are saved and when they come to have spiritual and moral qualifications that come from obedience in his word. And that's a lot of when you go to First Timothy chapter 3 and it's talking about the qualifications of bishops and elders and deacons. Uh, it says those qualifications must be met. And then the fourth blessing the church faithfully uses its gifts in the Spirit's power, experiencing the joy of great unity, love, and fellowship in ways that no amount of human ability or planning or effort could ever produce. We had this past week with Tracy's mother 
going to heaven. We had several phone calls, text, card of people reaching out and there's unity. In closing, a church that glorifies God is spirit-led church. It's not a preacher-led church. It's a spirit-led church. And God gives the spiritual gifts to the members in order that there will be unity and not uniformity. There are the variety of gifts, all to bring oneness. That unity is upon Jesus Christ, our Lord. We are unified in Christ. Jesus said in John 12, 32, And I, if I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. And John indicates in verse 33 that this was just explaining the type of death that he would have. That he would be lifted up on that cross. And if, when it said all men, it is not talking about universalism. It doesn't mean that everybody is going to get saved. It's about all men are the ones who believe and trust in the sin-atoning death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is in those whom the Spirit resides for the glory of God the Father. It is them who believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins. I had planned on uh, going through verse 13, but I'm practicing praise in a short sermon. Maybe not really. The vertigo is uh, looking down. Gets, I decided I better be short today. Y'all say, this is not short. <laughs> but uh, what a beautiful thought of how beautiful a church could be. If everyone was in unity, who was gifted with the Spirit of God to serve, to speak, to be about God's work, to be about obedience to God's Word. Let's pray. Father, Lord God, we come to you, and God, it's only by your hand. It's only by your power that one could even be saved. We are not self-made Christians. It's all for your glory. You, God, sent your Son to die that sin-atoning death for everyone who believes. Lord, can come and have a Savior that they can live for and that he would give them the power and the blessing of being your children.
And we praise you and thank you for that. And we pray this in the name that's above every name. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand and sing. 433.